and we live. We're back, guys. Hey, it's been a while. <laughs> and um, this is gonna be a very interesting episode. Oh my god! Because like, I was watching what we were doing last night, and I messaged Jad. I'm like, I fucking hate this. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> okay. That just I want to say a few things. First of all. Totally okay to like a movie. That is totally fine. However, I also want to say we're going to be talking about some really, really dark stuff in this uh, episode. So, like, um, mm-hmm. we'll probably have to put a, so, uh, a trigger warning. Trigger yeah, warning, we're going to have yeah, to put a trigger yeah. warning. Because um, mm-hmm. this is, man, like, this movie gets, like, really, really dark at, at some points. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, so, yeah. Jad, what are we talking about today? Uh, the first animated movie to ever receive an X rating, Fritz the Cat. Yep. And so far, I think this might be the only one that, the only animated movie that has gotten an X rating. I don't think there's been another one, has there? Uh, no, there were a few copycats that were trying to bank off the popularity of this oh, film. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, uh, some Belgian films, some really low budget. There was this, uh, one, uh, really crappy one called Dirty Duck by, uh, that exploitation director, uh, Roger Corman. Oh, that does sound familiar. Okay, so... Yeah. Fritz the Cat started life as an underground comic by Robert Crumb. It followed a con artist cat and womanizer named Fritz, who would be placed in different scenarios based on current events during that time period when the comics were published. Um... I think Robert Crumb also made some other stuff, but I don't know if it's as popular as Fritz the Cat... And, uh, well, it might be popular enough considering how one of his characters cameoed in that Chip and Dale movie Disney Plus did. Oh, wait, really? Who was the character? Uh, I don't know. It was that long beard guy who had, like, a hippie voice. Hmm. Who bought Dale's fur. See, I'm looking at some of... I um, I immediately recognized him because it was in Robert Crumb's style. Oh, okay. And I never thought I'd live the day to see where... They had a rubber crumb character in the Disney movie. That was so surreal that to me. That does seem really surreal. That's such an odd thing for them to do, but oh well. Um, so, also, we were talking about this. A lot of underground comics from back in the day were not really that good. Yeah, it was still in a period where um, animation and comics were trying to be more uh, sensitized in a way, and... It was kind of hypocritical considering how batshit crazy America was during that period. Yeah, they were like just really out there. They were trying to guess, you know, prove they weren't for kids. Um, okay, but uh, Crumb was heavily inspired by the Carl Banks work on the Disney Duck comics, as well as Walt Kelly's Pogo. I'll bet it was in a more adult setting. Crumb also later confessed that Fritz was his personal wish fulfillment as a character was everything he wanted, which is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make yeah, sense if you, uh, There was a documentary about him called Crumb where you can tell he was nothing like Fritz because uh, he was talking about his childhood and in his uh, sleazy, creepy voice, he said, I, uh, I had a sexual attraction to Bugs Bunny. Oh, jeez. At the comic book store, I cut out a panel of Bugs Bunny, carried him in my pocket, so he'd be everywhere where I went. <laughs> I'm, 
Yeah, let's yeah. I'm not trying to be mean, yeah. but there just seems to be something off about Robert Crumb. I'm sorry. He's, mm. There's just something mm. off about him. Uh, Jad, you want to read the next part about Bashki? Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, Bob Bashki was born in 1938 to a family of Jewish immigrants. And so I'm um, to the name of this. Haifa, Mandatory Palestine, now occupied by Israel. And they, they so, lived in Brooklyn, he, right? Uh, yeah, it was a lowland, it was basically the slums of Brooklyn, and, uh, due to the life of poverty, uh, Bashi developed a fascination with urban culture, and even tried to integrate into an all-black school oh, when, and he was growing up. <gasps> okay. And the only problem was segregation laws, and they were afraid that if they accepted a white, white student, then other rights were just... Right. Okay. And We're actually gonna get into that later. Crazy. There's we'll get we'll get into that mm. later. Um Oh uh, yeah, that's a whole can start <laughs> a whole can of worms to get into. So his animation career began at Terry Tunes in nineteen fifty six under the work of veteran animator Gene D- Ditch Deitch. I hope I'm saying that name. When the studio should It's uh hmm? yeah. Am I saying it right? Yeah, it's um uh uh East Western European, uh, uh, okay. I mean, Eastern European uh, country he's from. When the studio shut down, he would work for television producer Steve Krantz on shows such as the 1967 Spider-Man cartoon and the more obscure series Rocket Robin Hood. That sounds slightly familiar. It was a low-budget Canadian TV show uh. when... Uh, Little side note, uh, originally the animation studio was in Canada because uh, they wanted to outsource to the cheapest place possible. But when uh, Steve Krantz uh, actually tasked Bashi with moving the animation studio over to New York City, but apparently due to uh, Canada's uh, investment in the arts, apparently that type of stuff was illegal, even though it was owned by an American company. Oh, okay. So, uh, Boxy, uh, instead of taking a plane back, since he anticipated Canadian officials would, would, uh, suspect him, instead sneaked over the Canadian border back into America, where the American officials just laughed it off, like, <laughs> those dumb Canucks. <laughs> yeah, Jad's gonna be the, like, person to talk about this probably the most, just because he knows more about it than me. This was his recommendation. Um, yeah, I've been following uh, Batshi's work for a while now. You want to keep? You want to read the rest? Oh yeah. Go ahead. Let's see. Where was I? Oh yeah. Batshi had a passion for underground comics and the social commentary at the time. He wanted to move away from children's show and make a movie that was indi- indicative of the decade, leading him to pitch an animated adaptation of Fritz the Crash to Crunch. Ooh, excuse me. That's a cheap fuel. <laughs> Initially, due to their contrasting personalities, Bashi had a hard time persuading Robert Crumb to give him the film rights, leading to a lot of uncertainty about the fate of the picture. But his wife, Dana Crumb, um, who had attorney power, would give Bashi the film rights, and I don't know if uh, Dana and Robert are uh, still together, but Ooh. I also remember that uh, documentary they did about Robert Crumb. He, she would give him piggyback rides. <laughs> so wait, you know what? That actually might explain why he also hated that move, this movie so much, which we'll get into. Yeah. More. <laughs> All right. And uh, let's see. 
The film had a really difficult time finding a distributor. It's kind of not surprising. Some major, yeah, uh, many some major Hollywood companies had down an independent animated movie could compete against Disney since they had a stranglehold over the uh, medium oh, for decades. Yeah. At first, Warner Brothers agreed to distribute and finance the film, but when the executives were shown a storyboard, animatic of the movie, they were shocked by how the film contained sexual themes, violence, and drug use. Basky even later even claimed one of the executives left the screen in. Warner Brothers demanded the content be toned down and included celebrity voices in the characters, but Basky refused as he felt these themes means perfectly represent the 60s, mm-hmm. so they put fun in. Bit hypocritical since Warner Brothers also distributed A Clockwork Orange, which also got an X, X rating. Oh, yeah, that's right, it did. And uh, that is. That's actually one film I couldn't finish. I, I couldn't make it past the attempted rape I scene. I know that one's hard for people to watch. I haven't I haven't read the yeah. book, but I've heard a lot of people who are like, I haven't been able to finish the book just because it's so, you know, disturbing. And that's kind of, you know, the point. But even still, it's really hard for people to stomach. Yeah, and uh, when Stanley Kubrick got at the film rights to it, uh, he uh, darted up to 11. Yep. And let's just put it at that. <clears throat> anyway, the film was openly picked up by Cinemation Industries, a New York-based studio and distributor known for working on exploitation films. It gave the film a budget of $700,000, which even back then was still low budget for an animated movie. Um, the, uh, and you can tell that because there's some animation recycled oh, yeah. throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, to be fair, uh, Disney was also guilty of this at the oh, time because yeah. with inflation and skyrocketing, and uh, they were recycling a lot of animation assets. If you watch, um, let me see, uh, the, uh, the the Sword in the Stone, you'll see them reuse animation a lot, even from like other movies, because they use some from like Jungle uh, yeah. Book, and it's also the same with the Robin Hood movie. They reuse stuff from Jungle mm-hmm. Book and others, and even Snow White. So yeah, this even was reuse, yeah. this was something yeah. a lot of animation companies did, just you know, to cut corners, mm-hmm. trying to save money. Mm-hmm. And uh, even and even then, that was only a minimal because they would still have to retrace all over it with different character designs mm-hmm. and proportions. And then let's see. <clears throat> The MPAA would give the film an X rating, the first time an animated movie had ever received. <laughs> it's Sorry, you're fine. Button cord. <laughs> <clears throat> Due to the rating, some theaters refused to show it and had about 30 newspapers denied advertising. And it. Due to this, Cinemation Industries would try to bank on the controversy in the content of the film and advertise with the tagline, He's X rated and animated. Which Basti did not approve of and objected to because he thought people would confuse him for being a porn. Wait, really? Yeah, he he said that's because it contains sex and nudity. It's not a porno. Okay, he does have a point. I'll admit that he does have Uh a point. Yeah, to to be fair, the... I chanted it's shown in a more comical way than a rousing way. Mm-hmm. And it's got fucked up, up taste. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the film received mixed reviews. Critics were to fight on the humor, but praised the social commentary. 
The film was a financial success, growing $90 million worldwide against its $700,000 budget, making it one of the most successful independent animated movies of all time. Okay. I mean, this next part is really, really interesting to me. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. The character's creator, however, Robert Crumb, absolutely hated the film due to how Fritz and his personality was betrayed. P- portrayed. <clears throat> Feeling that Baxi made it into his own character rather than his original creation in an attempt to prevent any sequels from ever being made, Crumb would, would write a comic strip Fritz the Movie Star, which portrayed Fritz as an egotistical celebrity who would be killed by a psychotic ex-girlfriend. And, and Crumb did it, edit all, so he can kill off Fritz in the, and never use him again to this day. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's real spiteful. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is like, th- th- this is not a, like a new thing. There have been many instances where creators have hated the adaptations of their work. Like, I think mm-hmm. one of the most famous one is Ro- Roland Dahl, who did um, James and the Giant Peach, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and a bunch of other books. He not- he was notorious for like hating the movie The Witches. Because, see, I, I know about this because oh. you know how I love Jim Henson. I read in the book that Jim Henson was trying so hard to appeal to Roland, but nothing was working because the studio said you need to change the ending. Because in the ending, the little boy, he stays a rat. He stays a mouse. So oh. they're like, you got to change that ending. So he was super pissed. But to kill off the character, that feels very over the top. But at the same time, I kind of get it. Oh, I didn't know Jim Henson worked on that film. Yeah, he directed it. Um, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, and uh, I thought Labyrinth was the last film he ever worked nope. on. Nope. He did, he did The Witches. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> Despite this, a sequel was made. The Nine Lives of Fritz the Cow was made without Crumb or Baxi's involvement. And it wasn't based on any of the uh, comic strips uh, Crumb did. And unlike the first movie, the sequel is universally panned for its shock value and lack of commentary. Yeah, see, from what I'm understanding is, like, while Fritz the Cat is, you know, shocking and kind of gross and over the top, they at least were trying to have some social commentary. Um, the other one, I've, I've looked at the reviews, It a lot of people say it's just not as good. Oh, no, it was horrible. I watched a little like bit of it. Thought this, uh, <laughs> like if you thought the first film had an incohesive narrative. <laughs> oh, 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 okay, no. now once again, I want to say it is okay to like a movie. And you know what? I am going to give this movie some props and credit for being the first anim- like X-animated film. But with that being said, the first- <laughs> I hated this. God. <laughs> oh, like, no. I... I- think i don't like ralph basky's stuff i don't think i've liked anything he's made and i think it's just because i feel like just i feel like he just really wants to make porn i'm like just make porn i'd be fine with that just go and make uh, some porn um i know in uh in the late 80s he actually worked with dr seuss on a tv special adaptation of the butter batter book yeah i saw that in his uh the work he did for like television um, and yeah, see, I, 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 I didn't like heavy traffic. 
were um i wasn't a fan of wizards the lord of the rings one was okay but everything else i've seen of him i just don't really like him and i think it just has to do a little bit with his style of drawing too but also I... the thing is is like french is not a likable character he is um oh no, <laughs> he is he uh, thinks he's some kind of wise puppet-like person, but in reality, he's just a perp sleepball. <laughs> All right, should we talk about the plot or try to? <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, this is set, like we said, this is set in the 1960s. He's, he's in, in New York City. It starts out uh, with these uh, construction workers sitting on a gutter during lunch, complaining about how they work hard in order to put their kid in college, only to hear that they drop down living with some guy, as they put it. And uh, if the audio sounded echoey when those characters were talking, that's because that was an actual real conversation going on in the streets of New York City that they recorded for use in this film. Oh, really? So when the characters' dialogue sounds are echoey like that, that are compressed, that's why. Okay, that actually makes some sense. And uh, as they continue to rant, uh, one construction worker just <sighs> takes up to get a piss, just rips out his stick and pisses right off the side of the gutter. So fucking gross. And the conversation is still going on as the credits are rolling. And and the piss just drenches this hippie on the head. And it cuts to Times Square, I think it is. I think it is. Because it takes place in New York. Yeah, and Fritz and his doormates are uh, trying to pick up chicks by performing music. And failing. Only every other guy I in New York had that exact same idea, so it's crowded. <laughs> they uh, try to appeal to these uh, this trio of girls. Uh, uh, everyone's an anthropomorphic uh, animal in this, and they kind of use that for the social commentary. The girls ignore the band, and they try to pick up on this uh, crow who's supposed to be an African-American man. Yeah, all the crows are um, are portraying African-American people, and it does, you know, kind of make sense. Crow. Yeah, because this was also during, like, the civil yeah. rights movement, like Martin Luther King and all that. Um, so there's a lot of that in here. We will get into that a little later, but they're trying to hit on the crow. But then I think the crow turns out to be gay is what it was. And uh, it also didn't help that they uh, tried to, quote-unquote, impress him <sighs> by reading about the knowledge of African-American studies. It was so awkward. <laughs> which was, yes, with one woman who said, you know, I got a friend who says being Jewish is the closest thing to being black. I'm a quarter Jewish. Oh, no. And, and uh, quick question, is this what you go through every time a white person tries to hit on you? Sometimes. The, this feels <laughs> it really does feel like uh something chasers would do it's like you know they're trying to like sometimes you know some of them might be kind of sincere but it's like you know it it comes from a place of ignorance you can usually tell when they're trying yeah, too hard definitely. it's just this is uh it's so awkward and then yeah so it's to come as no surprise it doesn't work and he just blows him off and then fritz starts talking about he starts he starts acting like he's in pain or something and he starts like spouting some pseudo um, smart um, bullshit, and it works. These girls are mm -hmm. really easily <laughs> are really easily yeah. influenced. It's kind of sad. 
And then I think he takes mm-hmm. them to a, like a hotel or a hostel or something. It's that dorm. It's the dorm. Oh, it's the dorm. Okay. Um, yeah, it's... And uh, you can definitely tell it's the 60s because all the guys are just getting high and lounging around. There's a lot of weed in this out, movie. Like, oh, yeah, a lot of drugs, sex, and nudity. It's definitely uh, the 60s, all right. Mm-hmm. Only problem is uh, all the rooms are taken, so Fritz and the girls set up for the bathroom. And, yeah, this is where uh, you can definitely see why I got an x-ray and as Fritz... It's coasting that goes into a foursome. Now, see, the thing is, they're not, like, showing him, like, showing him, like, penetrating the girls, but you know what's happening. And it's mm-hmm. a kind of, like, surreal scene, too, just the way, like, no one actually stays in the beds or anything. They're, like, floating and stuff. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. And then one of his roommates... Yeah, it's supposed to be slapstick. Yeah, one of his roommates, I think, joins in. Yeah, two of the roommates join in. Yeah, a lot of the guys start joining in, much to uh, Fritz's annoyance, but the girls seem to be into it. Yeah, they're getting high, too. So then there's an orgy in the bathroom, and then we have these two pig cops who I don't think have names, but they're, like, in the movie uh, the whole time. Yeah, I know one of them voiced by Ralph Baxi, because he has a very prominent voice. It's like a mix between Yogi Bear and Sylvester <laughs> Cat, only without the list. Yeah, one of them is new. And he's like trying to train um, the other one. The newbie. Yeah, the newbie. The rookie. They're at the. Um, Only. Yeah, they're at the dorm where they got noise complaints. Which is not surprising. Complaints. <laughs> yeah, the. The uh, uh, more veteran cop tries to tell him um, how to do it, but the rookie's just too excited and he wants to quote unquote ad lib. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, Fritz, this, it's being cockblocked, decides to just stone out and relax in the toilet. And that's when the cops burst in and start just beating the shit out of them. <laughs> like, no, um, seriously, he, they're beating the shit out of these people, like, in the bathtub. One of the girls made... It's just a pile of <laughs> knocked out... People. And one of the girls managed to escape, and she lands in the arms of the other cop. And of course, she's naked. So, of course, the cop is like, "Ooh, hot!" And they start having sex. Like, Jesus, everybody is so horny in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but and soon as cops start chasing after Fritz, who starts hiding in the synagogue, and uh, and uh, this is where things kind of. Uh, you can tell see, the age of its movie as all the uh, Jewish people in the synagogue are portrayed as lions. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the connection is at all. Yeah, but, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what the connection is either. <laughs> uh, and uh, after a uh, belly audible conversation, which was actually uh, Boxy's dad, uh, just talking to his fellow uh, uh, people in the synagogue. Uh, reading from the Torah, uh, and the and as Fritz is hiding, the cops burst in, and Again. the rookie, having no idea <laughs> about anything about Judaism, so it's making some, cause pissing off the other cop who's Jewish, is who wants him to keep his mouth shut. I felt bad for the other cop because he's like. Uh, hello, Rabbi. Hello, Rabbi. Sorry, Rabbi. Like, he's trying so hard. Yeah, he literally grapples on his knees as he makes his way down the aisle. 
apologizing to every patron. I felt really bad for him because he's like, I normally, you know, don't feel bad for cops, but it's like, this guy's trying. He is trying his damnedest. He's got an idiot rookie and he's trying to catch Fritz. And Fritz ran into the bathroom, if I remember correctly. Um, I think the rookie gets and, thrown into uh, the bathroom. Isn't that what happens? Uh, yeah, and they slide down and this radio starts playing this loud, uh, wacky music. Which I thought it was music at first, but then they, an announcer says that it was actually coverage of the Israeli-Palestine in con- conflict. Oh yeah, and they start celebrating. The, the rabbi starts celebrating. Yeah, because the uh, the uh, United States government agreed to send more weapons to Israel in return for Israel returning New York and Los Angeles to American soil. Oh yeah, that's what um, that really happened too. I think, if I remember correctly. Um, it's been a while since I've been in a history class. And, and um, the, the rabbis are all celebrating, they, like dancing in the line. <laughs> and the rookie cop joins in to the frustration which of really pisses off his other cop. His, uh, uh, He's like, you're not uh, yeah. Jewish. And I'm like, okay, that was kind of funny. <laughs> I didn't want to break the shot, though. <laughs> but you're not Jewish. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, again, that was actually pretty pretty funny um and then i think uh, fritz goes to his college is that what yeah happened? it goes back to the dorm where all his uh fellow dorm mates are just busy studying mm-hmm. and uh fritz however uh isn't ha- he like you can tell him that he he is just so egotistical like he brushes it off as trying to be an intellectual <sighs> trying to out intellectual uh, all the other intellectuals and saying how he wants to live life to the fullest. It's, and he accidentally told this little rant about it that he stops out of it when he realizes he set all his books and text papers on fire and realizing his parents are going to be fucking pissed at him for flunking out. Yeah. And it, um, like, and honestly, I think that's probably one of the reasons I really just dislike Fritz because I hate these kinds of people. Because it doesn't feel sincere. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm speaking the truth. I'm deep and meaningful. It's like, no, you're not. You just want attention. That's all you want. Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like. It does lead to a funny thing he says, however. He says, someone throw a blanket on the fire. <laughs> and the blanket's on fire. <laughs> um, and then it... Uh, is this where he meets... No segue at... At all, it's they transition to a bar populated by, by crows. Where this a fish decides is to super okay. Up. I'm just gonna say, uh, we were talking about this last night. Like I was saying, this doesn't feel like it's racist, but it makes me feel uncomfortable. There's something. It's about also it. a storyline from the comic strips as well. Like it was based off another comic strip. If Crumb did a Fritz, uh huh. It's cut. Ca- and that's where he met, meets a crow by the name of Duke, who's playing Billard. And Fritz thinks he knows all about the struggles of of black people just because he took social studies classes. Yeah, like that's li- he literally says that. It is so mm-hmm. awkward. And like even the the guy is like, oh, like, you know, even Duke is like, hunt, like, no, no, no. You have to be black to understand what it's like, you know. 
And Dink is being a lot more patient, I think, than I would be. It's like, uh, yeah. why, why is it this guy talking to me? up to Fritz, however, when he smacks his back to a billet and accidentally causes him to sink all the balls. And when he offers Fritz to buy a drink, Fritz fuck it up by a condo bartender boy. Oh. Having no idea what he, what he just uh, did. But despite this, Duke is still being nice to him. I'm like, why? <laughs> so he's instead suggested Fritz that they, quote, book out, which is slang for a retreat. But Fritz having no idea what it means. He does think it's cool, but because if it's black slang, then it must be cool. Then he sort of goes, mean, I'm going to bug out, <sighs> which causes every black person in the bar to laugh at him. Yes. Again, Fritz is an idiot. Like, he thinks he's cool yeah. and hip. Nope, he does not know what he's doing. It is so awkward. And again, despite all this, Duke is being really nice to him, which I don't understand. So they make the array to this uh, a drug dealer uh, uh, who's Ah, I forgot her name, but... I think it's Bertha? Uh, she... Yeah, Bertha. She... He's... He's a weed dealer. Dealer who... Apparently is down to the swirl. At least that's what I interpreted from her little rant when she was introduced. Was, she seemed like she was missing she, the old days or something like that, from what I understood. Mm -hmm. And, um... She develops an interest in Fritz... It's the point where, she, oh, I remember you talking about, that's just me, about this scene where she takes out a bunch of joints she has stashed in her fat. Yeah, we're not joking. She literally reaches into her vagina and pulls out a bunch of weed cigarettes. It is so She gross. pulls out a few at first and thinking she kept more there, she does reaches in deeper to get more. Like, okay, first of all... Jump goes for your push. <laughs> okay, for... I just want to say something to someone who has a vagina and a uterus. Not only was that, like, just gross, but it's like, there's no way those things are sanitary. They're probably all really nasty no. right now. All the people who use... Oh, no, they go damp and there's no way you lie to, that's be able to light them up. what I was saying. It's like, if people try to use these, they're getting infections and everything. It's just... So gross. Yeah, cartoon logic again. Yeah, and only much more lewd. And then, like, I think we have like a little mini, uh, like, acid trip scene. Yeah, she just gives him so much pot that he starts tripping, and his libido just goes wild. Yeah, like they they leave the building. She's like topless. She has just a skirt on, and he's chasing after her. Like, um, do you guys remember the like the the wolf from like the Tex Avery cartoons? It's like that, mm -hmm. except... A, it's like that, but way more raunchy. And, yeah. And they're, like, laughing and everything. And it's just, again, it's just the way the sex scenes are. They're not... It's not sexy. It's not sensual. It's just really awkward and weird. It's... A, yeah, they are trying to make it comical. Yeah, but I feel like that just made it too weird. And then... This part confused me because he's in the middle of doing the crow. <laughs> That's not a sentence I thought I'd ever say. And he says, <laughs> he goes, I, it's all so clear now. I've got to tell the people about the revolution. And I'm like, that the, the what? It is so weird. He he leaves Bertha. She's still there naked. They're like, I think, in a, uh, what is it? At the garbage? Junkyard. Yeah, junkyard. And, um, this is the part kind of really pisses me off because he goes to a black neighborhood 
whips them up into a frenzy, and Duke ends up getting shot. Duke? Yeah, like, Duke... Duke didn't deserve that. Duke even tries to, uh, uh, try to distress the situation by saying that Fritz is just a bunch of hot air. Yeah. Because the cops come. And he's trying Mm -hmm. to get everyone to calm down. He's, you know, Duke is trying to de-escalate the situation. And what happens? He gets shot. And it's actually a really sad thing. It's a genuinely sad scene because when the gunshot goes off, it shows a shot of the billabards colliding into each other to simulate the gunshot. Mm -hmm. And how they just go plunk into the hole in sync with his heartbeat. Yeah, it's actually a really good scene. It just kind of sucks that it's in this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually, I think, probably the best animated scene in this entire movie. And uh, because of Fritz, it's an entire race war starts going on. Again. That turns into a riot. Why? Like, this is our hero, and we're supposed to want him to succeed, but it's like, I hate him. I don't like him. Everything he does mm-hmm. is, like, for his own selfish person, like, gain. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he ends up responsible for Duke's death, and he doesn't seem to respond to it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I... Down, out if he even knows I was about it. Yeah, he never responds and, to it. And uh, so it uh, time skips, and Fritz is hiding out in a trash can, and suddenly this fox girl comes in, who I think is an old girlfriend of yeah, his. Yeah, it's an old girlfriend of his. Her name is Winston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She says that uh, they should uh, consider moving to LA. And. Fitz decides to use it as an excuse to leave town. And then uh, we can see uh, uh, they class a bit as Fritz wants to go to a trucker's dive bar in order to hear about stories from truckers. But instead, see, they go to a family joint. Right, then things get even worse when they run out of gas and she insists he, he go, has to go back onto the gas station in order to get up a, a gas. I also liked how she, like, kind of called him out, because I'm like, he needed that. Mm-hmm. But he gets mad at her, and I'm like, dude, you guys are stranded in the middle of nowhere. Cut her some slack. Yeah. So, oh, she insists he be lost without him, but instead, as she starts marching, he does stitches a, a pail and says, we'll see who gets lost without who. And... Then uh, we get to the dark uh, uh, act of the film where uh, we're introduced to this neo-Nazi rabbit who just had ingested some heroin and he has this dazed, confused look on his face and he rides off on a motorcycle with with his hippopotamus girlfriend who he constantly abuses. He leaves her at first, but then she like holds up, I think, a needle. And he sees it and comes yeah, back for her. Nido. Oh god! Yeah, just about every shot of him, he looks dazed, like he's constantly high. Yeah. Um. She like even offers him a flower, and he just for some reason destroys the flower. He's an ass through and through. Well, he is a Nazi after all. Yeah. The ashes in general. And they find Fritz and pick him up, where the rabbit says Fritz is welcome to join, quote unquote. The revolution. 
Fritz being an idiot okay. doesn't question it at all. Nope. And he's introduced to this abandoned, uh, this, I think it's supposed to be like a mausoleum in the middle of a cemetery. Mm-hmm. That's where they meet this reptilian uh, lizard woman and this camp guy in a, a cloth who discuss their plans to blow up the power plant. Yeah, you never see that person's face. It's covered completely throughout this whole thing. And uh, this is honestly where we get to the worst scene in the movie. Uh, where yeah. the hippo girl is trying to talk her boyfriend out of it. She also says and she's hungry. By and she's like, I, she wants to go eat and she wants to leave. And yeah, you go ahead. And he responds by hitting her, and the two just watch and watch. At first, Fritz tries to stop it, only for the lizard woman to just hit him in the face with a lit candle. Yeah. And the other. Then uh, things get brutal when the lizard woman then grabs chains and starts hitting her, and they fucking gang rape her. Like, yep. Jesus Christ. They don't show it. But you know what happens. Yeah, and like the poor girl afterwards, she's sitting outside in a cemetery. She's like naked. Fritz gives her um what does he give her? He gives a her like coat. a coat. You know, he's like, Come on, Harriet, go go back inside. But you know, she can't move, she's traumatized, and then they go off to uh the power plant. Yeah. Where I, the plan was that Fritz is gonna set the bomb and then the other three ride off. Mm-hmm. And originally, Fritz was going to yeah, try uh, to remove the bomb. The old, yeah, don't the other time, time, he just has caused some awesome out time what they did. Mm-hmm. And as he sets out the bomb, he's just talking out loud to himself, unaware that they lit the fuse and drove off without him. Yeah. Um, and at the last second, he has a change of heart and tries to remove it, only for the bomb to go off. Yeah. And, like, I think we're supposed to be like, oh, no, poor Fritz. But I feel like this revelation came a little too late. And I don't know. It just it felt kind of weird. It, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And then you think Fritz is dead. Nope, he's not dead. He somehow survived. Yeah, they go to a hospital in L.A. where the three girls and Harriet disguised as a nun and surround him on the bed thinking it was gonna be his final moments once again somehow he survived (laughs) yeah and it looks like he's speaking his last words but instead he just whoops the three girls from the beginning into a foursome (sighs) on his hospital bed as harry just watches shock that's the end of this yeah that's the end all right yeah i like i said i didn't like this i Here's my thing. I've talked about this a lot. I'll probably continue to talk about this, but I really am sick of animated stuff just be animated stuff for adults just all being the same. I know this was the first like movie of its time, but I think since I've watched so many animated shows that are for adults or try to be for adults, I'm kind of just tired of this in general because yeah. it just feels juvenile. Mm-hmm. There's so many shots of boobs. There's like we see people peeing. It just, it's not. And again, I understand that this film is important. It's just for me, it's like, I, I'm not going to watch this again. I'm never going to watch this again. I, I had such a hard time watching it. And also the thing is, is with the scene where um, Harriet the hippo, who gets, you know, raped, unfortunately, that scene was not needed. It was so pointless. No. And yeah, it was, again, uh, this movie was adapted from... Several 
storylines from the comic strip and yeah, that was from the comic strip. Oh God, yeah. I just Yeah. I, I kinda I can't recommend like I don't think I can recommend yeah. this. I really don't think I can. Yeah, and then let's well uh I what would you give it as a rating overall? Okay, um you know what? I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna say two. Um, okay, not bad and yeah, like I said, uh, a lot of aspects of the film uh, definitely shows its age. Like, it's very of its time. And and especially with how some uh, ethnicities are betrayed. And like you said, Fritz, he's really unlikable. Like, mm-hmm. he's just an asshole, and I didn't really care what happens to him. Um, But a lot of the commentary... Uh, it feels like a real period piece of the 1960s with how batshit crazy America was oh, yeah. during that decade. Because there was so much going on during that time. Mm-hmm. From uh, the uh, anti-war conflict, civil rights protests, mm-hmm. uh, police brutalities, uh, East counter-revolution. Yeah, it I think we were. Like it, I think we were still in like the Vietnam War, and then we were going to go into another one. I think, if I remember, I, yeah. it's been such a. All time. And I will say, if you have a strong stomach, it is an important piece of animation history, in my opinion. And just uh, some parts don't hold up. Yeah. So two and a half for me out of five. Yeah. Like, I would say if you do want to watch this, you I would really recommend you make sure you have a strong stomach. Like, that's really all I can say. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I really don't. I don't ever want to watch this I again. Think- <laughs> And I think the last cartoon back here for director was a short making fun of Rick, Mitt Romney and took it down economics. Yeah. Like, I think it had this uh, homeless person just sticking through the trash saying it took it down economics when all the uh, rich people throw out their stuff, they took it down to him. Yeah. Because he's sticking through the trash. I think he kind of um, like retired from. Yeah. He quit the animation industry. Yeah, he retired. I think it's mm-hmm. just because. He's in his 80s. Yeah. It's not just that, but I also think he like. He had issues like with um, companies. Because, see, um, mm-hmm. I was watching a, a video on Cool World, which is something we probably will review. Um, and that's. It's on the list. That has a really troubled production history. And it's one of the reasons the movie is so. Like it, it feels like unfinished, and there's so too much going on. So I think he just got tired of dealing with studio heads, probably. Oh uh, yeah, because when we did that review, we'll get into it. But it's kind of sad how it far detailed from its original face oh, of yeah. the film. So next, we're gonna move on to news. This oh uh, yeah, a lot has happened since we were away. Yeah, we've been gone just because we. Jad was on vacation, and I got really busy because I was um, getting a new job, and then I got sick. So, so this un- this happened yesterday. Um. Oh right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Raquel Welch dies. Wait. Fantastic Voyage, one million years BC. And Myra Beckenridge star was eighty two. Oh. So, for those of you who don't know her, she was like the um, like the the sex kitten of her time like she was a very gorgeous woman with an amazing body and like you know that's what she was known for but she's she was also very talented too 
If you like go search, like I think her most popular like uh, things are the duet she did with Cher and then the duet she did with Miss Piggy. They both sang. Yeah, she did the song I'm a Woman. And it's really, really great. She was on an episode of the um, the Muppet Show, and it is really, really funny. She like starts flirting with Fozzie Bear and everything, and it's really oh, funny. Is that, oh, yeah, that's the one where in the opening numbers he does a dance ballet with a giant tarantula. Yeah, yep, that's her. So, oh, yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, so she had a career that spanned more than 50 years, 30 films, and scores of TV series and appearances. She, like, appeared on The uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson a lot. She got a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Imogen Foundation. She was very prolific. Like, if you watch a lot of old shows, you'll see her. And even, like, when she was older, she was still working. Oh yeah, it was. It's it was amazing how she continued to work even at when she hit that age. Oh yeah, she just decided I, she was I still. I can't imagine work. still working at the age of eighty. I just can't imagine doing that. Well, I also feel like a lot of times they're like you know, there's this whole thing about women actresses and entertainers. They stop act. They stop working at a certain time, but Raquel Welch like refused to do that. She just decided to keep on working. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. So our hearts go out to her friends and family. Jad, do you want to do this one? Yeah, the sad news still continues. Lloyd Morissette, co-creator of Sesame Street, has passed away. It's so frustrating when the people you admire pass away. Now, you all know us. We are big fans of Jim Henson's work. Mm -hmm. And obviously, he helped bring Sesame Street to life. I've... And, yeah, I remember uh, being obsessed with Sesame Street for a while. Like, uh, my mom would take me and my sister to uh, Sesame Place, which is that little theme park near Philadelphia. They would um, also do, like, Sesame Street, like, live shows. My mom took me to some of those. Yeah. Uh So it's like, um, there there were no details given, but it was announced by Sesame Street Workshop that he died. He was 93, so this is not oh a God. yeah. So this is one of those things where it's like it's sad, but thankfully it's not like where you know somebody dies in the, their prime. This was a man who lived a very full life and got to do a lot, and he did a lot of good. Because I've I've said before that it is amazing that Sesame Street is still going right now. Like this is a yeah it's show that has going on. Yeah. It's almost like an American institution at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, American culture. Yeah. Like my brother and, uh, they still today oh sorry. My brother grew up with um some uh with uh Sesame Street and he's like much older than I am. So my two sisters grew up with it and I grew up with it and I'm like my nieces and nephews grew up with it. So it's like it is amazing that this show is still going as hard as it can. And it's still sticking to the moral policy of trying to uh, reach out and educate to uh, children who may not be able to afford to go to school or don't have the opportunities that more privileged kids get. Mm -hmm. Now, this is also kind of sad, but it's not like it's a little heartbreaking for me. Mark Hamill has um, decided he will not return as the Joker. And there's a reason for it. There's actually a really sweet yeah. reason for it. The reason he is not returning as the Joker is because Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman from the animated series, passed away. Yeah. 
He, yeah, it's like uh, if he's not working with Kevin Conroy, then what's the point? Yeah, like he was. It said, um, "Hey, we want you to do the Joker," and his question is, "Is Kevin Batman?" And they said, "Yes." He's like, "Okay, I'll do it." You know, because they've been doing that for years. So I feel like, yeah, yeah, definitely. It would just be weird, you know. It's like, oh my, he's not here, you know. So I just that makes sense to me. Yeah, I think the last time he pushed Joker is. Uh, and this is because audio got leaked was for multiverses. Like oh, his audio right, yeah. got leaked. And you can even, I there's even some more audio leaking of Garnet saying, joke's over. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something she would say. Oh, man, we're just like piling yeah. on the bad news, man. And it continues. Because Microsoft lays off 10,000 employees. Boo! Screw you, Microsoft. Yeah, majority of it seems to be focused on the, uh, uh, let's see, the VR and uh, Metaverse divisions, <sighs> which have shut down over at Microsoft because that seemed to be a bubble. Uh, see, like, people are like, nobody wants to work anymore. It's like, well, how can we work if we can't keep these freaking jobs? Yeah. And, uh, personally, I never got into VR myself. I just saw the. Game, VR games as glorified tech demos being sold at full yeah, price. I feel like with the VR games, it's sort of a thing where it's like the novelty wears off really, really soon. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, I haven't heard anyone talk about VR games in like the past three or five years. Yeah, I kind of just had a feeling VR was going to be sort of a thing where it's like it's here and then it's gone. Because, like, people mm -hmm. use VR chat, but you don't need those VR headsets. You know? Yeah. All right. Uh, next. HBO crashes for users during The Last of Us premiere. Now, I feel like if you don't know what The Last of Us is, like, where the hell have you been? It is a... Um, it was Video game by Naughty Dog. Yeah. The same studio behind Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, Uncharted. And it was created by Neil Druckmann. And uh, and and the HBO Max, I think, got the right to do a TV adaptation. Yeah. And from what I heard, people love it. Like mm -hmm. a lot of my friends love it. People who play the game love it, and it's getting a lot of critical acclaim. Yeah, my future parents, uh, like my future mother-in-law, father-in-law, they were watching it and they really liked it. Um, I mean, also it has Pedro Pascal. As the one of the main characters. Oh, he's great. Yeah, so I'm not surprised this is doing well, and I'm really not surprised it crashed just because I still see people talking about the this. The demand was so high. Yeah, so HBO yeah. Max crashed because so many people were like really excited to watch this, and I think this might probably be their biggest show since like um, Game of Thrones. House of Dragons, at least. Yeah, probably. Well, I remember that was a. Yeah, and and I'm really hoping um. So Sasloff will find a way to fuck it up. Yeah, you know. Speaking of HBO Max fucking uh, up, you want to take this? Okay. Oh, wait, it's my turn. No, 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 yours? I got to do this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Velma, despite the backlash, is getting a season two. I need to punch something. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, you actually watched that show. Um, I watched the first episode. That's the only episode I'm ever going to watch. It literally opens up with two cockroaches <laughs> having sex. Oh, oh dear God. I know, like a cockroach comes out and then another one comes and starts humping it. It is so bad. See, I watched it on stream with some other people 
And our like the main thing was the, everyone in the show is such an ass. There's not a single likable character, especially Velma. She's so mean and catty and she judges everybody. It, you know what this feels like? This feels like a teenager, like a teenager who thinks they're super smart and deep. He's like, I'm going to make a dark, edgy remake of Scooby-Doo. And oh, now see, somebody was saying that what they think happened is they finished a bunch of, of Velma episodes and cut it into a season two. I don't think yeah, that, the second season is going to get much attention just because I feel like people have yeah, moved that, on from this. I feel like the second season was in the filming for the series of premiere. That's actually how it goes with a lot of yeah. anime. So it's like, you see announcers saying, hey, we know this cartoon is like two or three episodes in, but it's getting another season. Mm-hmm. It's like something they had planned regardless of how the show did. See, Because animation is a, takes a long fucking time to yeah, do. Yeah, see, I think the thing is, though, this will probably be the last season just because... Yeah. This is one of the same, like times where both audiences and critics hate it. But also the thing is, is like, I think what really just pissed me off is that there were so many great animated pro- like projects at Warner Brothers and they scrapped like almost all of them. But this is mm-hmm. what we get. Really? Oh, uh, God. I, I, I think because it has a celebrity attached to it, I honestly don't know why they continue with it yeah i honestly think probably after a second season it's not gonna get a third one yeah and i remember one guy saying how you would fix this so saying that we'll still take place in the scooby-doo universe only instead of it being a reboot of scooby-doo it was like the rival mystery game like you still have scooby in the game yeah. in the background doing the thing that's a then good idea separate cast of characters who the main focus just being all raunchy compared to them that's actually a good idea i like that mm-hmm. It's just, this feels, it feels really lazy, but also from what I'm understanding, Mindy Colling had an original idea, but for some reason, HBO Max said, we want you to make it, uh, hang on, we want you to make it Scooby-Doo themed. Oh my God. Yeah, so, I don't know what's going on here. Um, do you want to do the next one? This one's also kind of dark, guys. Yeah, Alec Baldwin is being charged for involuntary manslaughter Good. after that infamous incident on Rust. Good. Now, for those of you who haven't been kept abreast uh, while filming the uh, Western film Rust, apparently they done one filming scene that required a gun. Apparently it wasn't a prop gun because they wanted authenticity, but while Alec Baldwin had a gun under the scene, it acc- he accidentally shut it off and shot out a crew member and killing her fatally. Yep. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and like, for some reason, Alec Baldwin was acting like it was no big thing. Like, dude, you oh shot God, somebody. Like... <laughs> and, oh, and his wife was like wearing a shirt that says, uh, like, empathy, like, be empathetic. I'm like, your husband killed oh, somebody. Dad. Jesus. I know. I was like, what are you Uh, doing? Where was the empathy for the girl you killed? Like, people were really pissed about this because, I mean, first of all, this shouldn't have happened. And again, like, Alec Baldwin was sort of acting like nothing. It wasn't a big deal. So, yeah, people are, like, happy that something's happening about this because, you know, that poor woman did deserve to die. No, it, it was fucked up. Yeah. I don't know if this movie is coming out either. They're probably not going to release it. 
Okay, so on. T- I doubt anyone would see. Oh it. no! Now I'm actually excited about this. Mel Brooks' History of the World Part Two unveils trailer and star-studded guest cast. Now this I'm excited about because Mel Brooks has not done anything in a while, which makes sense. He is like yeah, it's been a, he's pretty old. In his nineties. Yeah. So I'm excited for this, but I don't know if it's like if he's going to be directing it or something else. Uh, it's a mini series. Oh, it's a mini series. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he he wrote it. Uh, hang on, let me look of the world part. And if you don't, Two. oh, go ahead. I'm just looking it up real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know, Mel Brooks was like the big thing back in his day. He, um, you know, the, like the, the musical, the producers, he made the original film that is based off of, uh, young Frankenstein blazing saddles. Um, and history of the world is, um, a comedy film he made. Um, so this is like going to be the sequel to it, I guess. He also did, uh-huh. did Spaceballs and Robin Hood men in tights. I think the producers, mm-hmm. Which is like his claim to fame. Yeah, I think producers is his adapted into famous, most famous amazing Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's his most famous work as a producer's. Probably, actually, I think it's. Yep, he wrote all the episodes. Oh, awesome! I think it's probably a tie between producers and Young Frankenstein. I think um, because mm-hmm. a lot of people quote Young Frankenstein like all the time. Uh, we'll see if this actually has Jews in space. <laughs> okay. Apparently, it's what Marjorie Taylor Green thinks is going actually going on up in the sky. <laughs> okay, we're not like that's an actual joke from the thing, but also Mel Brooks himself is Jewish. He can make that joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, your turn. Oh, and uh, oh yeah, Tron Three is happening. Like. I didn't even heard good things about Tron Legacy. It was just one of those things that was just there. Okay. And what makes this even worse is who's attached to it. Oh, boy. Who's attached to it? It's everybody's favorite actor, Jared freaking Leto. Oh, God. I can't believe he's still getting work. Does anyone feel like they're trying to put him in a lot of stuff recently? Yeah, I don't know how he's getting all this into all this stuff at all. Like, I have a I, feeling there's his PR is his like PR firm is working overtime. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, regardless of like even like, let's say maybe for the sake of argument, he didn't do all that creepy stuff. He wasn't like the head of a cult or whatever. Jared Leto is just not that charismatic. He's oh no no. He has like oh. negative charisma. <laughs> and the last film he headlined bombed. Oh yeah, like that's what's confusing me because like Morbius was a massive bomb. It like, hang on, let me check. How much money did it make? It only made. Let's see. It had a budget of uh, eighty-three million, and it grossed one hundred and sixty-seven million worldwide. That is not good. <laughs> No, especially for a Marvel movie. Yeah, a film like even if it's a film even like even if Marvel Studios isn't involved. Yeah, a film like that would at least have to make back like what, like three times back the budget. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so yeah. I don't know why they keep just giving him headlining stuff. It's like, guys, we don't want to see this dude. Uh, so frustrating. And here's another. And he's going to ruin the upcoming Haunted Mansion movie. I, yeah, I well. was excited for that. It's like, oh, Jared Leto's in. It's like, never mind. <laughs> Uh, they need to, like I feel really trying to make like trying to fix his career, but it's like I don't think it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. my turn. Big enough uh, careers being ruined. Oh gosh, yeah. So again, I doubt you. Like if you are not, if you're following our podcast, you're like pretty hip to pop culture. But it was revealed that um, the co-creator of Rick and Morty, Justin Rowland, has. They have cut ties with him. Adult Swim has cut ties with him completely. Hulu has cut ties to him as well. Mm. He had an overall deal with them for a while. Mm-hmm. So he um, had some felony charges related to domestic abuse that became public. And then it's like Pandora's box opened up. All this stuff was like released about how he talked to underage girls. There was a podcast where he's making these disgusting comments. It is amazing how he went to like, he was on top of the world and now he is like, he's lost everything. He has lost his shows. He's lost his voice roles. It is really like amazing, but it's also like, it is kind of upsetting too, because this was a person a lot of people admired. Yeah. And, uh, we even heard more stories about uh, how he also had a falling out with Dan Harmon, which pretty much confirms everything I thought about the uh, production of Rick and Morty. Like, apparently, uh, Roland and Harmon haven't spoken to each other in years because they had a falling out during oh, wow. for season two of Rick and Morty. Like, uh, Harmon wanted to uh, uh, focus more on existentialism mm-hmm. and character development themes, while Roland, however, wanted to keep the show storyboard and does focus on a bunch of random ideas he and the artists had. Like, like one of the artists would just doodle, do a doodle of uh, a turd with googly eyes, and Warren actually one said to Harmon, hey, let's make an episode about that. And Seriously? Harmon was like, hell no. Oh, you know yeah. what? That does explain a lot. Um, because mm-hmm. when you look at Roiland's stuff that he does on his own, it's a lot more crass, I guess is the word. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's really ridiculous. So, I mean, this has been going on for a bit. So it is a little, you know, it is a little, it's sad, but it's also a good thing that this has just been dealt with so swiftly. And a lot of the crew members on both Solar Opposites and Koala Man also said they never even met Justin Roiland. Oh, yeah. I think I saw that article. It even got to the point where just Roiland would just do his own dialogues for the shows, just from his own own uh, recording studio at his house. And then he just, like, yeah, so he, like, wouldn't even show up. Mm-hmm. He would just, like, do his recordings and that, yeah. So, I mm-hmm. mean, the good thing is that, like, Rick and Morty and everything is not going to go anywhere, which, um, is, which is good because it's, like, the, like, the animators who worked on that, they don't deserve to have, you know, all their hard work just squandered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's bittersweet. Now, and um, I think Jed- the show would be oh, just fine without Roiland because oh, uh, yeah. uh, a lot of talented people worked on it. And uh, mm-hmm. most famously, uh, the show one for the She-Hulk series on Disney+. Oh, Plus, yeah, that's right. Wrote the Emmy Award-winning episode Pickle Rick, which oh, everyone really? obsessed over for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah, she, uh, she won an Emmy for that episode, and she 
They put, it was funny. She posted a picture of it showing the enemy to a pet cat, which just seemed <laughs> uninterested. It's joked about how when an enemy does not get the approval of his cat, of a cat. That is actually amazing because that is like, mm-hmm. like I, I still am like really behind on um, Rick and Morty. But the Pickle Rick thing, people were quoting that. Like, I see Pickle Rick merch all the time. So, yeah, I really, I, I agree with you. I think Rick and Morty is going to be fine. Because it also like yeah, seems definitely. like he wasn't working on the show for a while. No, people said he was only a showrunner in name. Like, okay, like the last time he ever wrote an episode was for season three. Ah, uh, okay. All right, Jad, I just added this one. Do you want to read it, or do you want to read the next one? Uh, let's. Ah, uh, you got this. I heard about it, but okay. you added it, so it's all you. All right. So, like I said, one of the reasons I'm upset about Velma getting a second season is because there were so many great animated, um, like projects coming out, and one of them was going to be a new Scooby Doo movie featuring the Hex Girls. Oh my god! It became another tax write-off. And it was some- and apparently they were in the middle. They finished recording it, and they were about to start the animation. Yep. Only for it to be written off. Yeah. Like, okay. So this is another thing. I was thinking about how um, Hasbin Hotel has been announced to come out in summer. I think. Um, oh really? I think it's summer. They don't have a definite date, but they um, uh, they've added it on the uh, website. Um. I kind of think that more animators are now going to just start doing independent projects just because this is getting mm-hmm. really annoying and it's happening uh, yeah. way too much. And like, as much as I'm not like the biggest fan of has been hotel, it proves that you can be popular without a studio. Like you make your idea and then it gets popular and then you can go to, um, you know, companies and be like, yeah, I created this by myself and I think you will get a better deal than what's going on right now. Yeah, A24 is producing it. They're like yeah. a art house uh, production company. Yeah, they also did... Um, they were the production company for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. They've been... This is also their first animated uh, foray, so to speak. So, hopefully... Animated series, at least. Yeah, I think animated the series. first animated movie they did was Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, which it's, I really want to watch. I heard amazing the, things about The that trailer one. is so adorable. It's this little shell mm-hmm. with these tiny little shoes on, and yeah, it's just... It's, uh, based so on a series of YouTube shorts about this little... About this uh, character who... This little shell. This talks it's about a, it's her just life. adorable. But, like, yeah. see, the thing about... Um, like A24 is like the thing is, is they're sort of becoming like a big name in Hollywood just because they're sort of taking risks, I guess you could say. Like they're they're making the movies that like Warner Brothers and Paramount and Disney probably wouldn't release. And that's, I think, right. why people are like they like them so much is just because you can. um They're just doing more, you know, I feel like they're allowing people to do more with what they want to do. Like, I don't think a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once would have gotten made at like Disney or Warner Warner Brothers. Apparently the Russo Brothers actually produced Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Russo Brothers? Really? I thought, yeah, they were the executive producers and I thought, wow, they really make good use of the Marvel paychecks. Yeah, like they, I think like now they've said it's like, we just kind of want to focus on stuff that's not Marvel, which I respect. (laughs) Hey, I remember them saying that the only way they'd ever return to Marvel is to, if they could direct a Doctor Doom movie. Ooh. And that actually goes into Which, what we're talking about we, next. Oh, yeah. 
uh, Kevin Feige is changing up some plans for the MCU. The plan is to uh, focus on less shows, give them time to space out, 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 um, and this is a really big one. He makes a bold claim how the Fantastic Four would be a big pillar for the MCU series. Mm. Like in the comics, they were a really big, Marvel comics, they were a really big deal and they were actually influential in the series because it focused on a team of imperfect characters having to work together as a team. And who doesn't like that? That's always a great story. Yeah. However, and, for some reason oh. that's beyond me, all the Fantastic Four movies have been awful. Yeah. So there's a lot writing on this yeah, one. Because people, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, one, uh, I remember one, uh, uh, gaming journalist I follow. He's praying they don't write Ross Doctor Doom. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he's supposed to be like, a, Rom- have a Romanian-inspired yeah, yeah, yeah. backstory. Because I think, l- and it's I can't remember the name of the place he's from, but I do think it's supposed to be Romani-inspired. Yeah, and how it was pretty much uh, left to crumble by the world. Mm-hmm. And Doom is a really complex character, like, uh, he's not... Not just a scientist, he's also a powerful sorcerer. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's kind of why a lot of people are excited because Doom is probably the best, um, the, the like the best uh, Marvel villain, or at least one of them. Because mm-hmm. like I've seen, I've read, I've read car- comics with Doom in them, and I, I like him. So yeah, I just, I'm, I am hoping it's good, just because it's like the, the Fantastic Four needs at least one good movie. Come on, man. And he also uh, traded blows with other Marvel heroes as well, like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Oh, wow. Yeah, because uh, apparently his social skills only come second to Strange, while his intellect is only second to Mr. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Dang. Mm -hmm. I am kind of excited that they're going to maybe slow down on the television shows just because there's so many right now. And Wilson, that's why catching up is kind of intimidating for me. Oh, like same here. I only, yeah, I so far I finished Multiverse of Madness, which I actually enjoyed mainly because of Sam Raimi's direction. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't even feel like a Marvel movie. It feels like a, a drag. Like he made a horror movie. That's what almost. a lot of people were saying. I think it's... Yeah, and it's surprising by how dark they allowed him to go with a PG-13 rating. That's nice that they allowed him to do that. I just think, like... And because of... hmm? No, go ahead. And uh, because of the success of Multiverse of Madness, like, despite not being released in China, it outgrows the first Doctor Strange movie. Oh, wow. Like, it grossed 800 million worldwide, which is 200 million more than the first movie. And because of that, MCU is designed to try to loosen creative control and try to give directors us more efficient. Oh, thank God. Because of that. I think, see, I think it's also been proven before, like, see, in my opinion, so far, the only uh, franchises in the MCU that I still think, like, that are the best are Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy, and that is because they realized, okay, James Gunn and Ryan Coogler, we just need to let them do what they do. You know, mm-hmm. they stepped back and they did the same with Sam Raimi. Like, okay, Sam Raimi is like one of the OG superhero directors. We need to let him just do what he does. I think if they do will do that, it is going to help the MCU. Because that's been my problem. A lot of the MCU films have felt very cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, honestly, um, 
I don't think I'm going to go see Ant-Man in theaters. I'll wait until it's on Disney Plus. But I am interested um, in what's coming out this year. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's, Their Guardians I'm film is coming out. The, oh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, yeah. The trailer actually got me really excited. Um, and I think the Marvels you is coming out. a special? Oh, no, I still haven't seen it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's great. Uh, if you love Drax and uh, Mantis. I love Drax. You're going to love this series because they are the I main focus Drax of this so special. Much. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be, actually, I do think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how Marvel fares in the next few years. Just because I do feel like a lot of people kind of moved on after. Uh, yeah, they the, kind of suffer in fatigue. Yeah. And like this is coming from me. I love superheroes. Superheroes are my jam. But my thing is, it's just, it's like okay. Imagine if you got to choose where you eat every single day, and you go to uh, the McDonald's every day. You'd get tired of McDonald's. Like even if you liked it, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I view the MCU. It's like you know, you need a little bit of variety. But hopefully, um, F- Fantastic Four will be good. Okay, this one I kind of wanted to talk about because I find this one a little interesting. So. Chad, do you remember Barney? Oh, yeah. I was obsessed with that as a kid. Yep, me too. I even had one of the Barney plushies. Mm, Same here. So, um, Barney is getting a reboot. An animated one, nonetheless. Yeah, I saw the picture, and at first I'm like, oh, did somebody make this? And then it turns out to be an official thing. It actually, Mm. I will say this. The art that we see, it's like this looks like the real Barney. But they did a good job of putting it into CGI. Oh, yeah. He looks like a living plus style that came yeah, to life. He's still, and that's what he is. He still looks mm-hmm. really, really cute. Um, like you can see a little bit of felt on it. Yeah. He looks adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it says, if you miss the old look, not to worry. Mattel says apparel and accessories for adult fans that feature classic Barney are also in the works. So this is supposed to debut next year, and this is going to be a show for preschoolers, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Yeah. So I remember I saw someone complaining about this. It's like, oh, it's going to be like woke garbage. But they said in creating the new series, it was important to us that we properly reflect the world that kids live in today so the series can deliver meaningful lessons about navigating it. And that makes sense. The original Barney, I think, was from, was it the 80s? I'm going to go check. But it's been a while. Yeah, so long. Okay. Friends and 1988? Oh, dang. It's older than I thought it was. Yeah, like late 80s. And like, I I also, you know, I actually am fine with this reboot just because Mm -hmm. it's, it's Barney. I know a lot of there were people for some reason who really disliked Barney, and I never understood why. I mean, it's for kids. Yeah, it's for little like little kids. Really, really young kids. Like, like of course it's not going to appeal to you. You're a fucking adult. <laughs> yeah, it was like the same with Teletubbies. I'm like, guys, this is made for mm-hmm. little little kids, not for like older children. So there's um, we had talked about this. There was a documentary about Barney. Apparently, the guy who was in the suit got, like, death threats. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was... It, that, that's dumb. That don't make no sense. But I think this is going to be really mm-hmm. cute. This will be something fun. And um, there's a... Like, I've talked about this. Um, if you make something that's, like, for little kids, you need to try to make it sort of enjoyable for adults. And I feel like kids, mm-hmm. like, adults who grew up with Barney will enjoy this. They'll be like, oh, I can watch this with my kid. Mm-hmm. All right. 
you got the next one. Oh yeah, and uh, I added this as well. Splatoon three is getting an expansion pass being Ooh. released February twenty eighth. Yeah, yeah. Now this expansion pass it adds Inkopolis as an optional hub. Inkopolis being the location of the first two games. Yes. It mm. also adds a bunch of of clothing, gear, and weapons from the first two games into this. And apparently a new single-player story mode. Oh, yay! They're adding the story Focusing mode. Focusing on uh, the uh, host from Splatoon 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, off the hook. Yeah, off the hook. Everybody loves those characters, so that'll be awesome. Uh, yeah, they were great. That's great because... Um, the thing is sometimes about like stuff like games like Splatoon and stuff, you'll sometimes get bored of like the main game. Mm -hmm. So it's always good when they release DLC. Uh, definitely. Uh, I'm excited for that. Okay. I remember Splatoon 2, it was a big deal when they added the Octopath Octoling expansion. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were excited about that. Uh, definitely. Okay, I'm not excited about this next one. No. How no, no, to no, Train no, Your no, Dragon no. live action movie in works. No. <laughs> Just no. They're <sighs> taking a page right out of Disney. Okay, guys, listen. We got to stop with these live action remakes. We're making too many of them. Yeah. Like, I don't. It's... Do you hate remakes, remakes Jed? It has to do. Uh, uh, well. There's only a few good remakes yeah. that can actually improve on it, which is like uh, The Fly being a perfect example of that. Yeah. The Fly remake that, is like, good. Uh, they, they took it in an entirely different direction compared to the original. And I feel like if you're going to do a remake, you should uh, take it in a different direction. Mm -hmm. But for these remakes lately, it seems like they're just trying to cash in on nostalgia. Yeah. And you know what? That's like what... I'm going to defend Disney for just a second, but, like, the first few Disney remakes were actually, like, genuinely good. Because mm -hmm. they were at least trying. And you know what? This Little Mermaid remake actually looks really good. The animation we're seeing looks amazing. We got, like, a tiny little view of uh, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. It feels like there's actually... Oh, yeah, that was a nice Tisha. Oh, yeah. Did you hear her her cackle? Oh, oh my gosh. God. It sounded exactly like Pat Carroll. I'm like, okay, I'm... A I'm, and uh, Len Moran Miranda is collaborating with Alan Menken to make new songs for the movie. Ooh, oh boy! You see, like, like that's a dream team right there. Oh yeah, like literally the perfect team. Now, see, with the Little Mermaid remake, we're excited for this because it seems like they're putting in actual effort here. Yeah, they might actually break the uh, Disney curse when it comes to recent remakes. Yeah, like the issue is not so much remakes; it's more how many we get and how they do them. Yeah. I also just I think the only okay, Disney remake I enjoyed was the Jungle Book. The Jungle Book one was really good. I was surprised at how good oh, it was. Yeah, it took a lot of cues from the original story from what I've seen. Yeah, I heard it because um it followed Mowgli more, but also mm -hmm. like because I remember with the animated one, it was more sort of Baloo and Bagheera story. Yeah. Still a good movie, but um It focuses more on his uh, bond with a pack of Yeah, wolves, yeah, yeah. Which I really like. kind of brushed off. So yeah. Also, it's just the thing and, is, is um, like toothless. How the hell is he going to look? Oh boy. See, it, like the only thing that gives me a small sliver of hope is that Dean DeBlas, who was the writer and co-director for the first film, and then just became the solo writer and director for the sequels, 
He's attached to Ryan Director's remake. Okay. You know what? That gives me a little more uh, faith. Like, not a lot. I just think maybe this would be something where they want to incorporate not just CGI, but also some puppetry and stuff. Because, mm-hmm. like, my main thing is Toothless. We They have to make sure Toothless feels real and doesn't feel like just a big Definitely. block of CGI. All right. Um, I think you have this one next. Yeah, Disney Plus reports the first lots of subscribers Oof. with a decline of 2.4 million. That is now, a Now, this lot. headline isn't exactly what it seems. It's not, it's not focusing on the American subscribers because <gasps> in North America, <sighs> subscription subscriber numbers went up. However, in a lot of Asia, subscriber counts went down. Ooh. Uh, because... Mainly because Disney lost the international sh- the streaming rights to the India cricket games. Oh. Because Disney, uh, they own a, own a stake in the India streaming live TV service, Hotstar. And to appeal to uh, overseas audience, they merged Hotstar with Disney Plus, because it's referred to as Disney Plus Star, because instead of just watching Hulu internationally, they instead... And, Offer a star as a add-on tier for Disney Plus to add more mature content and live streaming. Oh, okay. And that's why uh, on internationally, you know, uh, Disney Plus on Disney Plus in a lot of Asian European uh, countries, you'll see stuff like Solar Opposites, The Walking Dead, Family Guy, oh. I and My Hero Academia. That's still and a lot. Did oh, ha- go ahead. And while it and it definitely did have. Have Disney Plus with the international subscribers, but Lewis and the uh, Cricket license definitely uh, took a toll on their overseas subscriber count. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because Cricket is massive across the seas. Um, yeah, sports is still the most watched thing on television, whether it's live TV or streaming. I will say, though, that's still a pretty big number. Like, even though it didn't, it wasn't in Western, like, it wasn't in the States and stuff, that's still a really big number. Yeah, the States subscriber count actually went up. Oh, really? Oh, you know what? And, uh, you know what? It's probably because the third the season, the third season of The Mandalorian is coming. Yeah. And uh, what really annoyed me is a bunch of chuds online were saying, Oh, go broke, go rogue. <laughs> Because they obviously did not read past the headline they of this article. They probably didn't. Because when you explain that, it's like, oh, that actually makes sense. And also, I feel like sometimes Disney has a hard time with a non-Western market. Because mm-hmm. um, did you remember that live-action Mulan movie? Oh, uh, yeah. They made it just to appeal to the Chinese market. And it flopped in China. Yeah, it did really poorly. And, um, like, China loves movies. Like, the Chinese really love movies. Mm-hmm. And it did not do well at the box office. And that's, I think, the thing is, I sometimes think else, Disney just doesn't understand non-Western markets as well as they think they yeah, do. Yeah, I remember watching an episode of South Park where there are it was Tyler Ben in China, and they kind of touched on this with how Stan's trying to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Only, but because they wanted, the studio wants it to be released in China, they had to let a Chinese censorship officer look over <laughs> the script and change everything about it. Yeah. To appeal to uh, Chinese censorship laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like also, um, 
I think it's in France. They have a Disney park there. When that park opened up originally, it did not do well. It did really terribly. <laughs> there's a there's a whole video about it on um, Defunct Land. If you guys are interested, you can uh, go yeah, watch I watched that. that. It was interesting, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So not only did Disney lose a bunch of subscribers, Disney, okay, Disney announced three new movies and then laid off 7,000 people. Yeah, yeah it's a sh- shit storm. It, it it seems like it, it's interesting because it seems like Disney, despite doing well, it's also having problems. Oh yeah, I can imagine a JPEG focus on focusing on streaming only didn't help. Oh oh yeah, I have a feeling they're trying to come back from that, but I'm not sure if it's gonna work. As we don't, I mean, we don't know. But see, um, yeah, for those of you who are not aware, Bob Iger came back. Because Bob Chapek was doing mm-hmm. such a bad job running Disney. Like, he, they were losing money. Mm-hmm. Like, almost constantly, it seemed. And on top of that, there was sort of a proxy fight by Nelson Pelch, who's an infamous uh, entrepreneur who fundraised for Donald Trump, who wanted, who, he insisted he wanted a spawning board, and he had the backing of uh, Ike Perlmutter, who oh, no. got a shit ton of shares after selling to Marvel. Selling Marvel. So, and, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Iger, uh, uh, apparently is on really bad terms with Ike, mainly because of the MCU. Like, Ike Perlmutter wanted full control of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And he even tried to fire Kevin Feige, but oh, Iger stepped in and said, right, Ike, uh, Kevin Feige is going to report to him anymore. He's going to report to Disney Studios from now on. So, uh, he does sit there in the corner and be, uh, chairman and name only. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I don't know if you heard about Ike Pummer, but, uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, he's uh, also Donald Trump supporter. Ike Pummer is such an ass. Like, okay, so what happened is, um, you know, they were like, hey, let's do a Black Panther movie. He's like, black people don't go to the cinema. But then, to top it all off, he called three black women working at Disney slash Marvel the help. He referred to them as oh. the help. Oh. And that I, so, that caused so many problems. And it also explains why there was so much military propaganda in the early films oh, of the yeah. MCU. And how only now they're focusing on more diverse characters and cast members. Yep, because I so remember actually saying, why the hell did it take us so long to get Black Panther? And someone said it's because of Ike Perlmutter. Because he also didn't mm-hmm. think um, he also didn't think that anyone would go see a Captain Marvel movie, so that's why we also had to, had to wait so long for that. So, um, yeah. So, see, they're also... So, the three films they announced were Frozen 3, Zootopia 2, and Toy Story 5. So, Toy Story 5, I don't understand the point of existing in the first place. Oh, like, same. I mean, I think the only way it could work is if they focus, instead focus on the traveling lost toys. Yeah, that would be interesting. Least, or maybe just a new I mean, set King, of toys. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Zootopia 2 kind of makes more sense because mm-hmm. I can see them doing more stories in that world and... I know everyone wants to see Nick and Judy together. Yeah, and it was a mystery. And I am kind of interested. And I am interested in how interspecies covers could be viewed in Zootopia. Like, they could use that to build upon the themes of uh, tolerance, I yeah. think. And also, 
I thought the world building in Zootopia was really creative too, like how they mm-hmm. sort of integrated how like how they made it so that all the animals could live together, like you know the small animals like the hamsters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I want to see more of that. Um, to you be- saw Zootopia Plus said also built on that, like how oh, cool. uh, my favorite episode was that was when focused on Mr. Big and his story of how oh, when I him and his family first came to Zootopia. Only it was in the old days of Utopia was wasn't oh, as accommodating. Like a lot of rodents, and there was no accommodation for smaller creatures like uh, mice and rats. So mm-hmm. it was they struggled uh, living in a really big city. So and also how polar bears. Oh yeah, there was that's no, right. Uh, artificial. There was no artificial climates mm-hmm. for a uh, different species. Polar bears was just sweating and suffering from heat strokes. Poor polar bears. Um, now, yeah. see, I haven't watched it all, but I saw a clip of how um, Mr. Big's daughter, um, I forget her name, uh, she was getting like ready for her wedding and they did something that was sort of like... Uh, it's like Real Housewives. Yeah, and, and I'm like, that's actually really, really clever. So um, One thing that cracked me up was during the character lineup for the introduction of a, a bridesmaid. One <laughs> of them was just like this rap like character and her first line was, I just got out of prison. <laughs> She was the one that had the, the, the thing on her ankle, right? The ankle bracelet, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, believe it or not, I'm actually interested in Frozen 3 just because Frozen 2 shocked me with how good it was. Because, as you guys don't know, I'm not really the biggest fan of the first Frozen film. Frozen 2? Holy crap. It is so it is superior in every single aspect. Better music, <laughs> better character development. Development, a more interesting plot, and also I didn't like mind Olaf that much. Olaf annoyed me a little in the first movie. I but do it- like the. Uh, hmm? I really like how they uh, focused on the idea that Arendelle has a darker history than yeah. they intent they knew. Like the commentary on colonization. Mm-hmm. I was like that also surprised me. I was like mm-hmm. because you know like Elsa and Anna. What happens is they sort of risk to release these people they found after they found out what really happened after they found out what the grandfather did it's really interesting and really it's a little bit darker than the first one so it's just like you know what i actually am interested in frozen 3 just because like the first frozen i again really really don't like it second frozen after seeing it i was playing um into the unknown repeatedly like everything just in frozen 2 was better so i think frozen free has oh, they add that song to fantastic in disney world oh i bet it looks so cool i really love that oh, song they did they added that into the, the unknown. And, uh, and how far i go from moana oh that's a good one too and it was beautiful so like really i think the only i'm with dad the only one i'm not really that interested is in to- is toy story 5 i feel like they're milking this franchise for all it's worth now mm-hmm. just just stop like see i honestly think i don't really pay attention to toy story 4 it's like it ended at 3 that's that's how i see it. it's like it there, there's no toy story 4 <laughs> and another change is now they're trying to give theatrical releases a wider window before going sh- before adding it to the streaming service. Yeah, I think they're switching it back just because more people are going back to the movies. Yeah, and definitely. And the thing is, is um, when I worked at a movie theater, the movies that did the best were the family movies. Because mm-hmm. even if you didn't have kids, you could just go see that. It's like, let's go see something that's kind of fun. And um, so and also, like, um, if you have a movie theater that does birthday parties... That can also make you a lot of money. I remember there was... Oh, definitely. I think it was either Minions or Despicable Me. 
And I was like, oh no, this is going to be a nightmare. And it was a birthday party. These kids were so polite. And afterwards it was, um, they're like, okay guys, you need help clean up your trash. Because see, I was part of the janitorial crew. It was uh-huh. one of those theaters where you could eat. And these kids were picking up their leftover food and their trash and bringing it to me and putting it in the trash can. And then the mom was like, okay, what do we say? And they'll go, thank you. Aww. I know they were so well behaved. And I was just like, thank you. Like, I was just, like, praying to the movie. I was, like, praising the movie gods just because <laughs> sometimes the, the the birthday parties could be a nightmare. But as I was saying, uh, the, the like, the kid-friendly films and the family-friendly films, those will make you a lot of money. Because also it's like, hmm, we want to get out of the house. What can we do? Let's go to the movies. So, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. What is- Does Disney have any animated? Oh, wait. Disney has two animated films coming out this year, I think. They're Element from Pixar and Wish from Disney Animation. Okay. There was another Disney movie I heard about, but I don't know if it's coming out this year or next year. It's a movie about the princess and the pea. That might be coming out next year. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, I hadn't heard about this until someone was talking about it. So it might be coming out next year. Okay. So this one I haven't heard about. I just I think found this out it? today. Yeah, it's an Adult Swim Adul- thing. Adult Swim releases trailer for Royal Crackers. Yeah, I hadn't heard of this. It kind of seems like, um, it from what it seems like, it's like, uh, Succession and Arrested Development, but animated. Oh, well, let's see how this turns out. It actually sounds interesting. It sounds sort of like a satire. Hmm. So, yeah, that's... I am uh, excited about season two of Smiling Friends, though. Oh, we're getting the second season. I totally forgot. Yep. Do we know when it's coming out? Uh, not yet. I think you, me, and John are, like, probably some of the like the, the biggest Smiling Friends fans just because we all love yeah. it so much and we quote it. Like, if you guys listen to the uh, Let's Play channel they do, every once in a while they'll start quoting, like, Smiling Friends. Because, yeah. like, the thing is, it's the show, like, their main thing is there's a lot of, like, animators from the internet. And we were kind of raised on the internet, so we were, like, we we enjoy it that much because it's also our humor, too. Uh, uh, Rudy, uh, my bladder is starting to shrill up, so, uh, <laughs> you can, uh, just take it from here while you take a quick bathroom break. Oh. Okay, oh, I'll do my recommendations. <laughs> Alrighty, so, as Jared goes to relieve himself, I am going to talk about my recommendations. I have two, um, one of them is a video game. I finally started playing it, and it's a game I'm starting to play on stream a lot, and I am playing Stardew Valley. Now, if you're a video game person, like I am, you've heard of Stardew Valley. Um, I need to check the name of the guy who made this, and it was made by one person. And it's become a very, it's a um, farming sim. And like, you know, a lot of farming sim, um, it, you know, has a young person going to a farm to uh, save it. This is... um, it takes place in a place called Pelican Town. So it starts out like with the uh, players like at this sort of like Amazon type corporation. They're not happy. They're tired. And then they, I think they get a email. No, no, no. They get a letter from their grand, uh, from someone about how their grandfather owned a plot of land in a place called Pelican Town. And he has unfortunately passed away. So you, the player, 
um, you uh, take it over. The game was made by, um, I'm gonna, hopefully I'll say his name right, Eric B- Baron, and he made this game by himself. He said he wanted to, um, he was trying to, what was the word? improve his uh his skills at being a video game developer and honestly i think he did a really good job because it's in this simple pixel style but the game is very beautiful like the colors and the details and everything there's so much like lore to the town itself um the villagers are all very interesting you can even romance a villager and also, like, if you're a girl, you can marry a girl if you want. And if you Aww. are a boy, you can marry a boy if you want. So it's, in, it's inclusive. So it's also another thing is, like, when the seasons change, everything changes. Like, you know, the scenery changes. It's so pretty. The music is fantastic. I understand why this game is as popular as it is. I'm really looking forward to his um, second game, Haunted Chocolatier. Because I, I love this. I have been playing it Haunted, so much. What? Haunted Chocolatier. That's the name of the game. Oh, my God. I think it has something to do with a ghost that used to make chocolate. I'm not 100% sure. Now, this, I was originally going to save this for P- Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night, but I really want to talk about this. Okay. Guillermo del Toro is probably like one of my favorite, like my all-time favorite director. I love his movies. And for the longest time... He was trying to get a Pinocchio movie greenlit. I don't know why it took him so long. Well, I mean, I know the pandemic pushed it back a little bit, but he's been trying to do this movie for years. And normally it's like when someone has a passion project, it's really up in the air. It can be really, really good or really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, this is really, really good. It is a stop motion um, film based on the story of Pinocchio. And it's it's just it is so good, guys. It is such a beautiful film. And see, what I think what was interesting with what Guillermo del Toro did, see, it's taking place during fa- uh, fascist occupation of Spain. And Italy. Yeah. So, you know, the war is going on. Mm-hmm. But what it's doing in regards to that, it's like, this is not going to go over the kids' heads. The kids are going to get this. They're going to understand this. Um but also another thing is it made Geppetto more of a character. While I really like the animated uh, Pinocchio, I, I really love this one just because, like, you see what happens, um, Geppetto's son dies. And so one night after, you know, visiting his son's grave in a drunken rage, he chops down a tree and makes Pinocchio. And then Pinocchio comes to life. And Geppetto's like this is not my son. What the hell is this? And he's trying to love Pinocchio, but he's also struggling. So it's like, I like this because it's showing how hard, like being a parent can be, you know, it's like, it's oh, definitely also the, uh, the cricket who is uh Pinocchio's like, um, conscious is, is really funny in this. Um, he's, uh, yeah, well, he's adorable. I love him. But what is really funny, I was looking through the Wikipedia as I do. And it's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And I'm like, Wait a second, it says Kate Blanchett was in this movie. Well, who was she? And then Kate Blanchett voices a monkey in this. Wait, what? She voices a monkey. There's a monkey named Sp- Spatura who. Um, wait, she voiced a monkey? Yes! It was like. Oh my God. Because I saw her name and I'm like, wait a minute, she's not the voice of the fairy because the fairy is voiced by um, uh, Tilda Swinton. 
And I was like, so wait, then who the heck, um, what, who the heck did she voice? And I was scrolling through Wikipedia and sure enough, she voiced the monkey. Cause I guess like she and Guillermo del Toro were having fun on the last movie he made. And he's like, uh, be a voice in my movie. Yeah. She's the voice, um, of Spasatura, who is, um, the main villains, like, um, sidekick who he treats like crap but he who later becomes pinocchio's friend i honestly just can't uh, hmm? uh sorry you were go ahead um it's just it's so this film is beautiful to look at it's there's also some songs in it that are really fantastic i i just highly recommend this i will say though it is a little you know since it does take place like during the war you might if you can't handle that maybe don't watch it but yeah yeah, I uh, watched it uh, before I left for my trip with a friend of mine, and I heard a lot of amazing things about it, and even then I was still blown away I by know. what I saw. Like, um, see, Camp on Chant voices, not Camp on Chant, uh, what's her name? Tilda Swinton voices two characters, so in this movie, it's not the, the blue... Blueberry and Death. Yeah, it's a wood sprite. But then oh. she also voices Death. She's technically the Blue Fairy, but they call her the Wood Sprite. Um... And their sisters in this. And man, Tilda Swinton just gave it her all in these performances. And the creatures are so haunting, but beautiful. So yeah, I recommend it. Jad recommends it. Go watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's It's got to be my favorite anime movie that came out in 2022. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also won the Golden Globe for Best Animated Movie. So mm-hmm. there's... And surprisingly, there's some stiff competition in the Academy Awards oh, yeah. for Best this, Animated Feature this last year. Last year was a good year for animated films. Like, we got Turning Red, we got um, the Puss in Boots movie, which I still haven't seen yet. Which, uh-huh. Jad? Oh is- yeah, <laughs> it's time for my recommendations. Yes. First one is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Now... Uh, if I hadn't seen the Pinocchio film, I would say this was my favorite anime movie of 2022. Oh, now, Person Boots the Last Wish, it's gotta be the best film in the entire Shrek franchise so far. That I'm, is what I'm everybody is saying. That. I've been dying to and see this. And it still has some of the adult edge you'd expect from the past Shrek films, but even the message itself is more adult. Like, like uh, Puss finds out he's down... He lost his previous eight lives, so now he's down to his last life as he's struggling to uh, uh, accept his own mortality. And he gets to a point where he's at a low point in his life where he lives with this crazy cat lady and retires. (laughs) I can't wait to watch this movie. Until he hears about uh, the last wishing star, which is deep in the enchanted forest, and puts things that if he gets the last Ash Wish, he could get all nine lives his eyes back and become the legendary hero once more. Th- but the only problem is a lot of unsavory characters are also after this this wishing star, like Goldilocks and the three and the three bears who are like a crime family in this. Um also like yes. I just wanted to say, isn't doesn't Florence Pugh voice Goldilocks? Oh, uh, yes, he's British, and the uh, bears all have Cockney accents. <laughs> I love that. And, and uh, it also gives us a really good, the first good animated film in a while in Jack Horner. Oh, yeah, I've seen you know, so many pictures of him. Horner. Little Jack Horner uh, sat in the corner. 
And he, um, and he's a really despicable uh, guy who owns a massive pie manufacturing factory who is obsessed with magical artifacts. Ooh. X. And he's after the last wish as well. Um, well, and it really, I, it's so hard for me to praise this movie without spoiling it, but I, it also, oh, I can say it focuses, it fixed the biggest problem I had with Shrek, which was the uncanny valley. Like, the previous films in the franchise tries to focus on a more realistic art style, which just came off as uncanny, but instead they fix that to focus more stylized and when I first saw the trailer, it gave me Spider-Verse flashbacks. Yeah, didn't and the that company a... that makes Spider-Verse work on this? Uh, no, uh, that was Sony Animation. This is uh, DreamWorks Animation. Okay, my bad. And, my and uh, that wasn't a coincidence because the filmmakers even went as far as saying they were inspired by Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Only instead of trying to make it look like a comic book, they wanted to make it look like a painted illustration right out of a storybook. Oh. Which you can definitely see, like, uh, instead no. of looking like realistically rendered fur, Puss's fur almost looks like they were created by the brush, by a few strokes of a paintbrush. Yeah, that actually makes a lot That's of sense. It's more tight-fitted and his eyes are bigger and more expressive. I and think this also just proves how Spider-Verse has sort of, like, inspired and changed the industry in a good way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's my first recommendation, then. I want to watch this so badly. I cannot. I need for it to be cheaper to rent. It's like twenty four bucks. As soon as it's cheaper to rent, I want to watch it with my fiance. I I definitely recommend it. And uh, onto my second recommendation: Conker's Bad Fur Day. Oh yes. So a lot of you people heard about this, but I figured it'd be a good uh, recommendation given how it does refuse something so raunchy and. And Volker. I also and think there's rumors that they might be doing something with Conker. I'm not 100% sure. I thought there there might be rumors going around, but... And Conker's Bad Fur Day was released on the N64 in 2001. It's developed by Rare, who is one of my favorite game developers at all time. They worked on the original Donkey Kong Country trilogy, mm-hmm. Banjo-Kazooie, GoldenEye Banjo- 007. Oh, wow. And they Killer Instinct. And oh, wow. uh, FIFA Pinata. Oh, wow. uh, they've and, really uh, done a lot. And uh, this was made by a team at Rare who are doing 3D platformers. And despite being a 3D platform and the cover graphics, it is not a kid's game. And it no, definitely earns it that M rating. It focuses on a little squirrel by the name of Conker, who first debuted in Diddy Kong Racing. Only he is a far cry from how he's portrayed because he's now. An alcoholic sleaze, greedy sleaze bar. And after one intense binge night of binge drinking at his local pub, the cock and plucker, it's called. <laughs> Pluck being British slang for masturbation. And there's a lot of British humor and dialect in this film. And oh, yeah. He wakes up in a mysterious land after suffering a hangover and has to make his way home. And kind of some really colorful. Uh, for the characters <laughs> along the way. Oh, yeah. I've played Conquer. It's been a long time since I've played it, but I've watched, like, Let's Plays oh, of nice. it. It's so adult and raunchy, but it's, like, 
it's kind of fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's this um, one part in the game where you have to make a cow um, poop. Oh, defecate. <laughs> yeah, by yeah, yeah. having it drink prune juice. And she ha- I think it, like, it's it just, it's such a funny scene. And then there's even, like, this massive turd you have to fight. And it, it sings the opera. The great Mighty Pooh, who's, yeah. Aww. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was performed <laughs> by, uh, I think Greg Mellows is his name. Uh, he's a sound engineer out there who, uh, he in his spare time, he likes to uh, perform in uh, small British stage shows, mainly Shakespearean. And since he had a singing background, they decided to cast him as a great mighty poo. <laughs> that's ma- that's awesome. Like, I, you know how, like, you know, the thing about, um, like, Conker, Conker feels like a little bit more like a likable character than Fritz is. So mm-hmm. I think that's maybe oh, why definitely. I give it more of a pass. Because, like, it is juvenile and silly, but it's fun. It's having fun. What? It uh, came out in N64 back in 2001. However, it also got re-released as... Rail Replay, which is a bundle of Rails, uh, which is like a compilation of Rails past 30 games, and which is part of Xbox Game Pass, if you have a subscription to that. And that is definitely my recommendation. And if nice. you want some uh, raunchy game, something more raunchy. You can also watch a bunch of like uh, Let's Players play it on YouTube. There's, uh, a, yeah. there's some funny ones. Alright, mm-hmm. so next week, we're going to go into something that's Bad, but in a different way. We're going to watch Turbo Teen, in which a teenager oh, no. turns into a car. <laughs> oh, the first boy. time I ever heard about this show was this kid they did on Robot Chicken. I think that's where I heard about that's... it, too. Oh, God. Because this is a show thought... that... Wait a minute. This is a real show? Yes, it's a real show. Oh, goodness. Oh, my God. All right, everybody. We're back, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. End of show. Rudy here. Just wanting to say thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us. If you would like to support us more, please share the podcast. It would really mean the word to me and Chad. Also, um, you can write reviews wherever you can, like on Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. And again, just share us with your friends if you think we're funny or we're sharing. Once again, thanks for your support. And we will continue to watch really bad and weird cartoons. Bye.